Ashland, Oregon is a beautiful town of about 20,000 people in the foothills of the Siskiyou and Cascade Mountain Ranges, about 20 miles from the California state line. It's drawn a lot of filmmakers because of its embrace of art, including the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And Richard Herskowitz, our guest today, has been one of the best ambassadors and champions of film in the region. He's the artistic director of the Ashland Independent Film Festival, and I don't want to be presumptuous, but he may have had an even crazier year than you have. In addition to COVID-19, which has affected everyone, Ashland has been besieged by fires that have burned tens of thousands of acres, forcing evacuations, and darkening the skies of this idyllic town. I talked to Richard Herskowitz a couple of weeks ago about how he and Ashland are doing, and how the Ashland Independent Film Festival has coped and innovated like so many film festivals have in these difficult times. I'm Tim Malloy. Welcome to Movie Maker Interviews, and here's Richard Herskowitz, Artistic Director of the Ashland Independent Film Festival. To people outside of Oregon right now, and I realize that Ashland and Portland are four, are four hours apart, mm-hmm. it looks like a crazy year. I mean, you've had a lot of protests, you've had fires, you've had uh, Kindergarten Cop getting canceled. <laughs> that was rough. Um, yeah. uh, what is it actually like on the ground? Oh, let's see. Yes, I can't deny it. It's been a really um, rough year. It's been like one blow after another. I, mean, I think this is true all over the world. And um, maybe just it feels like, especially on the West Coast lately, because the, the, you know, the COVID situation had already uh, affected the city of Ashland, which is an incredible arts community. We're the base of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, which runs about eight months a year. And they're a major attraction for people to come to town. So, so is our film festival. But, um, they undergird a lot of the local economy. You know, they were forced, forced to call off most of their season this year. That was a huge blow. And that affects the ripple effect to businesses. Um, you know, just the people just are amazed when they come to Ashland, the town of 20 something thousand people. Um, the environment is gorgeous here. The arts are spectacular here. The, um, for me, it was the arts that blew me away and that attracted me here. Uh, and so anyway, the, the, the loss of the, the, the temporary loss of the Shakespeare Festival has been a big blow, was a big blow to the economy. What just happened with these horrific fires yeah. um, is devastating beyond that. So what happened is that over 3,000 uh, structures were destroyed. I mean, the, the fire started, the Almeida fire started uh, about two miles north of where I live and where our festival offices are, a mile north of where our festival offices are, and headed north and just destroyed the two towns above Ashland. A lot of the people who work in Ashland live there. We all know people there, uh, you know, uh, one of our uh, festival staff members lost her home. So yeah, it's been really hard. Can we talk about the Ashland before this year? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're very, you very often turn up on our list of best places for movie makers to live. Mm -hmm. You know, 
there's an idea that you want to go to the biggest city possible. And I think that as I live in more places, I find that you actually want to live in the smallest place possible with the most good things. Yeah. And Ashland is one of those places that has an incredibly high ratio of arts and just great things that make life worth living. That's right. I mean, just, well, obviously the environment being spectacular, um, the arts, the availability of these world-class actors, um, as good as you'll see any place in the world, New York or London included, uh, you, you know, a lot of the shows that, uh, you know, start here make their way. Uh, around the world. Um, and the film community, you know, what's amazing is, um, you know, uh, Alex Cox, the director, lives just uh, 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 the town under below Ashland. And uh, Sean Porter, the cinematographer, um, Joel B. Talbot, the film composer. Um, there are a lot of, um, I could go on, um, David Griffiths, the screenwriter. There's a lot of, you know, uh, very accomplished film people who live in this area. Oh, Peter Bratt, the, the, the film director of Dolores, uh, lives here too, just in, in talent, the town that got hit so hard. Um, so anyway, so, so you have high-level experienced filmmakers who are a resource uh, for um, their knowledge and their advice and, and their help. Um, you have uh, um, Gary Lundgren and Anne Lundgren, who, uh, who made the film just last year. This is their, I don't know, maybe fourth or fifth feature, and they're extremely extremely successful independent feature directors, but they made Phoenix, Oregon last year. Ironically, Phoenix being one of the towns that just got- um, I saw that movie. Got, got hit so hard, yeah. But, um, and, and of course, Gary and Annie, who are just unbelievably, they're really almost at the, two of the people who are at the heart of the film community here because they help so many others get started. Anyway, there's that underpinning. Uh, there's the State Film Office, which is very supportive of us too, and the Oregon Media Production Association, um, which helps. And then ultimately the, the film festival. The film festival just um, brings, uh, you know, so many uh, extraordinary people. You know, before I took this job, I've been here for five years. Yeah, how did you, how did you get to Ashland? Maybe start there. And how did okay. you take this job? Well, First of all, I've, I've been a film programmer um, since the early 80s. I used to run a film society where I showed 500 movies a year at Cornell Cinema from 82 to 94. That was my f first film programming job. But then the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the shift moved from film societies to film festivals. And I got hired by the University of Virginia to run the Virginia Film Festival. And... Um, I did that for uh, 15 years and uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia. But then my wife got hired to run the Jordan Schnitzer Museum of Art in Eugene. And so uh, at the same time, I was hired to become the artistic director of the Houston Cinema Arts Festival, but I wasn't required to live there. So I moved with her to Eugene, um, where I also started teaching part-time film, but, and, and I started a small festival in Eugene, but I started coming down to Ashland and I fell in love. First it was with the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and then I experienced the, the Ashland Independent Film Festival. I thought, oh my God, why didn't I end up here. Um, Joanne Feinberg, who was a terrific programmer and who really established uh, this film festival's reputation with the quality of her programming. She's at 
she's programming Big Sky documentary right now. She uh, did it for 11 years, but when she stepped aside, I, 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 I jumped and took the job, moved from Eugene to Ashland, and I've been here ever since, and very glad I did make this move. Oh, that's great. And how have you seen it just change in the time that you've been there? Well, um, you know, this, the town has allowed me to um, really realize my dreams, really, of, of the kind of multi-arts programming I love to do. Uh, the local museum, the Schneider Museum of Art, which is a terrific space, allows me to curate a media art exhibition every year, I've done one for five years, that we then, um, you know, connect to programming. Let me give you an example. Two years ago, the theme of, one of the sub-themes of our festival, and we like to program themes into our festival, I could talk about that later, but was Apocalypse. And that was partly in response to, it was the, um, uh, it was a, a, a major anniversary for Apocalypse Now. And so we showed a lot of art inspired by Apocalypse Now. And actually, when we did this exhibition, Eleanor Coppola came uh, up here from San Francisco and uh, presented Hearts of Darkness, visited the exhibition. She was blown away by it. But anyway, that, I, I love being able to do that. Also, because of the quality of performance here, music and acting, there's been, I, I can do a lot of live music and film too. The, the Southern Oregon University gives me their, um, their music hall to use. And um, we've had some amazing live music and film events too. So yeah, I really love that flexibility to not just program films, but to uh, films to me touch all the arts and to have that expansive range that this town gives me has been really um, gratifying. And of course, I know this hasn't been the best year, but a lot of people now are rethinking living in a big city at this point, especially when they don't have to go into an office or anything like that and are doing more things remotely. Do you st still think Ashland is a good place to relocate as a filmmaker um, or just as a person who loves arts? Yeah, um, I, I, I absolutely do. The, um, the town is... It, it, um, amazingly like rebuilding uh, right in front of my eyes. Uh, it's been a very powerful community regeneration uh, that, that is going on and I expect will continue. There's also um, exciting film projects that are emerging in response to the situation. Um, I guess, you know, um, the film festival has been relatively lucky in how we obviously were able to pivot and move online. Filmmakers also are uh, able to pursue their projects. I'd say the theater people are having a hard time with the, uh, their own regeneration, but I know that will come about. And I'm just going to ask for a bluntly honest reality check. You hear the president lately saying that the entire Pacific Northwest is like a lawless. <laughs> oh, uh, absolutely. Proudly lawless. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, how does it feel to actually live there? Do you feel like uh, 
the local I, government has lost control or anything? Oh my God, no, no. I mean, uh, I'm I'm really proud of um, the state. Generally, um, this uh, California, uh, Oregon, Washington, um, it's very enlightened. Yeah zone and um we are not you know part of the trump states of america <laughs> yeah i'm a californian and sometimes i just see the way the west is portrayed and i just you should just come visit like people should just come visit it's really nice mm -hmm. it's not what whatever propaganda you hear it's really yeah. strange well, hey, listen, I, um, <laughs> I'm an East Coaster. I, gr I grew up in New York City and uh, I lived there, the, you know, m most of my life. And uh, so I've, I feel really lucky that I, I, in many ways I was able to be reborn here. I, in many ways, it is a different country from the East Coast. Um, I mean, my friends would just be amazed. I hike a lot now. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. God, it's so great. So you guys did a really nice job dealing with the pandemic early on when you pivoted online. Can you talk about how that went for you? Did it go pretty well? Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it really did. It, it, right now, it, it just seems like, it, like a dream. I mean, it was such a whirlwind. I mean, we, um, we realized that we had to call off the April festival, the physical festival that we were on the verge of presenting in early March. Okay, the festival was supposed to start in mid-April. We literally had the catalog published. We made all the arrangements for travel. Um, actually, um, we, so this was obviously devastating, but we had started planning. We knew this could happen. So we started exploring virtual possibilities and then we were ready and we jumped really quickly. Then it just became incredibly exciting. I mean, uh, just completely rethought the festival to make the migration online and keep as much of the spirit of the festival as possible. So for one thing, um, obviously, the, the key thing about film festivals is interactivity and, um, and education, what supplements the film, that you're not just going in, watching a movie, eating your popcorn and leaving. There's a possibility of discussion. So we, um, we arranged Q&As for every single program. That is, I became obsessed. I was not going to miss a single feature film. Uh, I lined up some major interviewers, uh, B. Ruby Rich, uh, the critic Godfrey Cheshire, um, uh, the playwright Octavio Solis. I found the right person, you know, to interview for, for each uh, uh, filmmaker. Then just started discovering that the filmmakers were eager to bring the subjects of their films into the discussion. Or one of the most exciting moments for me was, you know, when I'm talking to, uh, I'm making arrangements with the director of the film Coup 53, Taghi Amirani, and I said, wow, Walter Murch edited your film. And he said, oh yeah, we'll get Walter in on the call. So Walter Murch joined the Q&A from London. Most, uh, this kept happening. Um, uh, when I interviewed uh, Tom Kalen about his film Swoon, Tom Kalen got our Pride Award. Uh, he said, oh, let me call Ellen, Ellen Kouris, this, you know, one of the greatest cinematographers in, in, in the country because she shot the film and he and she reminisced about the making of it in the Q&A. The archive of what we built up in the space of two weeks to produce that, those Q&As, yeah. So that, um, we, we supplied that 
uh, realize that expectation of audiences. But the other thing was the, the social and networking that, that filmmakers expect. And I could feel their disappointment that what they were gonna miss, what they had heard about Ashland offering to filmmakers when they come here. The, the, uh, the social opportunities and the uh, networking opportunities are extraordinary. So the first thing we did is we organized an opening night bash in which every filmmaker was able to present for one minute about their films and almost all of them came and, uh, it, and then we had breakout rooms where the filmmakers including barbara koppel who was there who, who, who said she was going to stay for the first five minutes and she ended up staying the full two hours of the party because she's having oh, such a good time so cool. um, and you know we had breakout rooms where people in our audience got to connect with the filmmakers and ask them questions so that turned out to be one of the best parties i i mean i'm not exaggerating it really was uh one of the best opening night parties we've ever thrown um there was dancing live music so that happened the uh we had lined up the actor bruce campbell to who lives in this area to host our awards night and he then agreed to host the virtual awards night. And this kind of surprised me when he was handing out the awards to the winning filmmakers. I thought he was just going to hand them the award and congratulate them. He ended up interviewing all of them. He was genuinely curious about everybody's film. They were short interviews as he uh, interviewed them, but that's actually online on our YouTube channel. People can see that. It was, it, was, it was pretty amazing. And finally, the last thing I'll mention just about recreating the interactivity and social was that we created a, um, a, a, a weekly Zoom after lounge uh, where all the filmmakers were able to gather and just talk about what was happening in their lives, what they were seeing in the festival. So in many ways, I do feel like we migrated the heart of this festival, which is really the community and uh, interactivity for the filmmakers and then the filmmakers with the audience to our virtual festival. So first, super dumb joke. I, I just find it hilarious that Ash from the Evil Dead movies, Bruce Campbell lives in Ashland. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. incredible. And yeah. second, it sounds like you really found a silver lining to what could have been an awful situation and really found a way to very quickly spin it forward and just make the best of this. And just congratulations on that. I mean, it's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. I think a lot of the festivals are discovering this in a way. Um, we're all gonna change permanently from this. Uh, I think every, most festivals I'm aware of are moving in a hybrid direction in which uh, we all want the physical um, or uh, the IRL festival to, uh, to come back. And yet, we're not going to let go of what we're learning from this virtual experience. For, for one thing, just the accessibility of all these participants that couldn't necessarily come to Ashland, but we were able to videotape and access virtually. It, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Phoenix, Oregon, because that's the first movie I can remember watching during the pandemic where it was, we're not able to release this physically in the way we'd like to, but we're all going to have a night where we'll watch it together. I think it was eight o'clock on a Saturday night and we got our ice cream and watched it in bed and it was great. And it was the first time I realized in many ways, this is better than going and standing in line and, mm -hmm. you know, worrying about whether I'm going to get a seat and all that stuff. Like you yeah. want to go to the bathroom, you pause and go to the bathroom. It's incredible. 
Yeah, I've heard that a number of times with people that guiltily discovering there are some <laughs> real advantages. I do think that that um, virtual Q and A's are fantastic. I think people are more relaxed and intimate uh, at home when they're answering questions. Think, uh, questions are able to go in depth. This is what I'm observing other festivals as well. And even as I say this, of course, nothing beats, we have got to get people gathered together again in right. a shared space. And um, what goes on on the movie lines, what goes on in the lobbies, in the streets, uh, that is such a tragic loss right now that uh, we have to get back. And that's the priority. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think the last in-person, well, one of the last in-person festivals I went to was the SCAD Savannah Film Festival and sitting there and watching the aeronauts with, I just started talking to my neighbor um, who was a local bookstore owner and just learning about this cool local bookstore and just stuff like that that you don't get mm -hmm. necessarily watching a thing at home in your own room. But, you know, they both have their, they both have their advantages. And I think it's cool that we're finding some of the um, make the best of a bad situation advantages of watching at home until we can all get back to the theater. That's right. I agree. How, how do you think 2021 will go? I mean, do you have any predictions? Yes. Well, um, we, okay. So one thing that's already been happening for us, uh, uh, I'll answer your question just in terms of our own festival's direction, is that we're becoming more year-round. We just came out of our Virtual World Film Weeks, which is the two-week fall festival we do of international films. And uh, now we're not stopping. We're, we're starting uh, a monthly series online. Uh, that's uh, Best of the Fests. We're going to be showing Dilemma of Desire with Maria Finizzo, the director, next month. And uh, she's going to be, as much as possible, we're connecting our filmmakers to the community. So she's going to interact with um, uh, Kim, whose last name I'm forgetting, who is the owner of the As You Like It, the sex positive store in Ashland. Uh, we'll have that arranged. Uh, we're doing a food equity weekend just in two weeks in this series online with the Rogue Valley Farm to School, uh, pr providing the discussions with the filmmakers. Anyway, then what we're moving towards is a festival in the spring that is going to be hybrid, but I think we're going to do it in a somewhat unique way in that we've decided to do our festival first virtually and then physically outdoors. And we're calling it a double feature. The, the virtual festival will happen April 15th to 29th and the live and outdoors festival is going to happen June 24th to 28th. And that way we can concentrate on both. Um, you know, we're, now we're working on, we're, we're working on a drive-in facility with the local science works that's both going to be, be a park and a drive-in. It's going to be able to take 40 cars plus about 200 seated people, even with social distancing, if it's still uh, in, in effect. So um, we're, we're just beginning to, to get that uh, going. There's also gonna be a museum exhibition because the museum's open and can take a limited number of people at a time. So there's gonna be a Cuban media art show. I've already begun curating for that. That will happen during the live part of the festival. Anyway, yeah, we are um, possibly more, I'm actually certainly more active than we've ever been. You, 
I'm, I'm just really struck by the diversity that you get in a small town of 20,000 people. Like, I think you, there was a, a bit of a Zoom glitch, and I think you said the local sex positive star. Yes, I said that. Yeah, I mean, that you have that, that you have a Cuban media festival, that you have all of these things that you would expect in New York or, you know, Miami, mm -hmm. or a much bigger city. It's just such a cool, just yeah. a plus to me. You would expect me in New York. I mean, this is where I'm from. This is where I always expected to be. But um, I fell in love with this place and I just uh, almost ashamed of how I just, just assumed I could not have what New York was offering me uh, elsewhere. I found it here. How are the hikes? Oh my God. Well, that is something New York doesn't offer me. Um, yeah, I have to say that um, the, the, I've been here five years. I am still discovering trails that I had no idea. How did I not know this was here? This happens almost every week. Yeah. Um, and there is just so much to explore and it's so, healing and maybe that's really a big part of what's helping people replenish in this tough time that we have this. Do you have any advice um, for other festivals? Yeah, well, um, I, for, uh, a, a number of things I already mentioned about paying attention to the uh, uh, desire for community and socializing and networking and try to uh, create that. Um, also, we stretched out our festival, which has been five days. Why is it five days? Mostly because if people are gonna come someplace or take time off from their lives, they can only take off a limited time. But mm -hmm. once you move online, why not stretch out? Mm -hmm. So what we did was we went, went from five days to three weeks. And by doing that, I was able to structure my programming so that each night was a track. I had already structured my, my filmmaking in tracks. Um, I always do that. When I present my program to the local audience every year, I do it in an event called Preview Night, which we have over 400 people come to in the SOU uh, Music Hall. And there I explained, these are the tracks, this will help you navigate through our program. Because I realized a long time ago, one of the problems with film festivals is it seems like a jungle to people of, of um, unfamiliar titles. Where do I begin? I'll just start here, you know? But I say, no, this looks like a jungle, but it's actually a garden and there are paths through it. And I'm gonna point out what those are. And our paths last year, there was a, a migrations path, an Asian Americans path, an arts, an activism path. Um, there was also uh, um, Kid Flicks weekends. And then every weekend we devoted to a single one of our honorees, our feature, uh, Renee Tajma Pena, who got the Rogue Award, Garrett Bradley, who got the James Blue Award, Tom Kalin, who got the Pride Award, Marcus Hu, who got our Indian Institution Award. I gave them each a weekend. So by being able to spread out the program and put them uh, in, into these Claire tracks, I help people see, navigate in a way that they couldn't when it's all jammed together. So I am so hooked on this, uh, having this range. It actually brings me back to early in my career when I ran film societies and I was able to structure programs that deliberately and carefully and in such an organized fashion.
I love that you mentioned Garrett Bradley today because Time yeah. is coming out today, her documentary that's getting so much attention. And yeah. it's just really cool to see a movie take the festival path and get so much acclaim. And now is the day that everybody can finally see it. Oh my God, yes. I mean, it was the best film I saw at Sundance last year. Uh, I uh, desperately wanted to, to show it. We ended up um, being able to show alone uh, her uh, uh, and America, two of her short films. Oh, cool. um, we weren't able to get time. Uh, Amazon was holding it back. That was, a, that was definitely some, one of the things we faced when we were programming virtually, although we got two thirds of the features we had originally um, programmed. But anyway, we were able to connect Garrett Bradley with uh, Nataki Garrett, who is the head of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival and a major figure in the African-American uh, theater world. And the two of them so hit it off. Again, I would recommend people just go to our festival's YouTube page where you can find that conversation between Garrett Bradley and Nataki Garrett because it was pretty spectacular. I feel like I could mention almost any filmmaker's name and you would have a connection with them. It's so cool. Uh, well, it, it, well, it's true, but maybe, yeah. It's, <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time, since 1982. Uh, so, um, yeah, I've had a long history. Wow. Um, is there anything that you'd like to see change in the festival landscape or anything that you wish people would learn from this year? Whether it's about dealing with filmmakers or making accommodations for... Um, you know, rules around what is an official premiere and things like that so that people can premiere oh. online? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I do um, think that message is getting through to distributors. Since we were one of the first film festivals to go virtual, I mean, we started uh, in, uh, you know, mid-May um, with uh, our last festival, distributors were still extremely wary and some filmmakers were. I think people now um, have come to accept this. I also understand and think festivals should respect filmmakers and distributors desire that you geo-restrict mm -hmm. uh, your screening to your state at least maybe your, even your region, because that is absolutely necessary for the economic infrastructure of independent film that there be able to be these regional premieres. So um, on our side, on the festival side, I think we should, we should uh, you know, support that. Anything that I should have asked that you were just going, when is he gonna ask about this? Um, wow, I think uh, we covered, well, I, yeah, maybe um, I'll, I'll, I'll just mention one of the great surprises of the last festival, yeah. which was that just as the festival was coming into its third week, George Floyd was murdered and the Black Lives Matter movement really exploded and it was on everybody's mind. And so much so that we were thinking, can we just go on with the program we had planned? Do we have to make? And as it happened, the programs that were coming up were so apropos. 
Two days later, we were showing The Murder of Fred Hampton, a film that we had already booked and was scheduled uh, from the Chicago Film Archive. And Fred Hampton, who was killed by the police in Chicago, was one of the first major incidents. He was a Black Panther that, that attracted protest and attention. And people were bringing up his name. And there we had our film. And so what we did uh, was I called the Chicago Film Archive and said, can we show the film for free and for an extra day? Yeah. And they said, absolutely. And then that film ended up becoming one of the best attended films in our whole festival, which I am fairly certain it would not have been. It was only in fact scheduled to run for a few hours on Friday. Well, most of it. So, so um, again, somehow the, the, the film materialized when we needed it. A couple of days later, we were showing Down a Dark Stairwell by Ursula Liang, who uh, also, that was a film about the um, killing of a black man by, and this time by an Asian American cop and the complexities of that situation. So we had the films that appeared uh, and then in how we contextualize it and wrote about it and directed people's attention to it, we found a way to connect it and, and contribute to the discussion that was going on. Oh, and I'll mention that Garrett Bradley's films showed up in that period as well. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I know that something like that it just sort of has to be who you are. It can't be a thing that you sort of plan for. It has to be, you, you have to be, you know, interested in this and interested in informing people as part of your daily life. It isn't something that you can suddenly start doing two right. days later. But do you sort of think ahead like to next year about what the important issues will be and what you should be focusing attention on? Yes, absolutely. And you know, we're, we're thinking a lot about the rebuilding that's going to be going on um, and still the, the dealing with the traumas of, of the fires and how the programming, I'm just at the beginning of, of working that out and even talking to some local filmmakers about beginning to gear their work, the ways we may be able to presented to address that. But yes, so um, I'm always trying to um, plan ahead like that. But then I'm also amazed sometimes how, I wouldn't even say it's intuitively, it's just a chance or that, you know, things uh, just materialize like they did in this Black Lives Matter case uh, in the program that will connect somehow with things I don't anticipate. Well, I think a lot of people who are listening to this are Googling Ashland and figure out how they can at least visit sometime soon um, and certainly support the Ashland Independent Film Festival. So just well, thank, thank you, Tim, so much. Yeah, I, I love what you guys do. And I hope we can talk much more, not, you know, not just about the festival, but about everything in the Great. film. Come yeah. out here. Yeah, I, 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 I'm one of the people who's going to be Googling, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> thank All you right. so much again, Tim. Great to meet you. So much, Richard. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Richard Herskowitz of the Ashton Independent Film Festival, one of many people who, maybe like you, is fighting the good fight to keep arts alive, to keep independent film alive, and also the small communities and the small businesses that they help support. If you like what we're doing here at Movie Maker, I invite you to visit us anytime at moviemaker.com. I hope you'll subscribe to our newsletter. And of course, please subscribe to this podcast, 
and throw us a nice review if you like. I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker Interviews. See you very soon.